Well, welcome to this Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Barsh, and today we have a very special guest joining us this hour to talk about a brand new resource that may or may not tell you how what it was like to be in the White House during the Trump administration. Did that intrigue you? Well, we don't have President Trump, obviously, or his wife, First Lady Melania Trump. But a woman by the name of Karen Pence will be joining me coming up in the uh, second segment of this program today to talk about a brand new book that she's written and to talk about what it was like to be married to Mike Pence, of course, the Vice President of the United States from 2017 to 2021. Mrs. Pence has a brand new book that uh, uh, it, it's, it's a very interesting book because it's not so much a memoir per se, but rather she will share recollections of what it was like to be in the White House, also what it was like to be in the uh, governor's mansion when her husband Mike Pence was the governor of Indiana. Let's not forget the uh, chain of command here. Mike Pence was a broadcaster. Mike Pence was a um, uh, is a veteran. Uh, he's a was a member of Congress for how many terms? Five terms, I believe, five or six. After having a law practice, a very successful one, and then ran for governor of Indiana and won. And it was while he was serving as governor of Indiana that. Uh, that uh, he had the notion to potentially run for president, part of that big swath of all those Republican candidates, most of whom were quite good, actually, I thought. Um, and there were a few in there that were real long shots, Carly Fiorina, Ben Carson, you know, that type of stuff. But I think in 2016, well, 2015 is when the, the campaign trail started, in 2016 when the election got closer, America was willing to have a conversation about what the last eight years have been like with about the eight years previous to that, the eight years previous to that, we'd been through a lot. And it seemed as though that when uh, President 45 took over, right smack dab in the middle of the Great Recession, that was bipartisan in nature. Uh, Bill Clinton and George Bush, George W. Bush, pushed for home ownership that was untenable and unsustainable. They really put the pressure on the subprime markets, and quite frankly, the banks couldn't handle it. It was really a Ponzi scheme. When you think about it, because there were a lot of people who really didn't qualify for homes. And one of the loving things, most loving things you could do for someone who's in a situation like that is tell them the truth. It's no fun for your parents to say, no, you can't buy that when you're a kid. But if you don't have the money and they don't think it's good for you, then go. I mean, don't do it. Um, as you get older, a lot of times I, people will, oh, the bank did this or my employer did that or blah, 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 without realizing, hey, you know what is going on here? God is holding you back from getting into something that could be potentially very damaging. But the Ponzi scheme that was going on with the, uh, with the real estate markets, the banks were all including with the government who was backing the, the loans. Uh, basically what happened was, you know, there's a certain formula that is used to determine how much home you can afford. And it changes based on a lot of different things. I mean, obviously there's whatever the, uh, uh, the, the job market looks like, the value of the dollar. Um, you know, it's interesting to think back to, you know, we're, we're just now getting to the point where uh, the Fed has been telling us all year long, this is the last rate hike. This is the last rate hike. It's kind of like that little kid who says, oh, this is the last cookie. The person who's overweight and trying to diet saying, this is the last bond bond, you know, they just keep piling on these rates. And what's interesting about the rates, of course, is that by every time they raise the, the lending rate, it makes money more expensive, means that people can't buy as much. Case in point, 
During the pandemic, the federal government put their thumb on the scale with regard to the economy and said, hey, we remember what happened in 2008. We're not going to let that happen again. We're going to prop the banks up. The Federal Reserve is going to issue the money at no interest rate. There'll be no uh, points whatsoever. People with really good credit are going to be able to get mortgages in the mid twos. People with good credit are going to be in the mid threes. And that changed radically. Uh, In 2017, 2018, when Donald Trump was facing his first midterm, not voting for him, obviously, but for his House and Senate, the the, the powers that be at the Federal Reserve wanted to make sure he looked as bad as possible. And in talking to a couple of mortgage lender friends I had uh, at the time, they were talking about, you know, people are getting stuck with four and a half and five percent loans when they qualify for two and three because the Fed is trying to create the illusion that the market's not doing well. Well, it worked. Uh, There was a Democratic landslide on the House side and on the Senate, and now President Trump had a uh, no longer supermajority to deal with, and they sought to, you know, knock him out of office. Once they took all those false uh, iterations out of the market, lo and behold, rates were going down. And then the pandemic hit. And there was a month or so, March 2020, I believe, where no one was doing anything, you could have the absolute A-plus perfect credit score, no one would lend you money. And then they started to take the uh, training wheels off and boom, it took off. I mean, the market just flourished. Prices went sky high because money was cheap to borrow. And if you got in on a 25 or 3% loan, right now you're sitting around going, mm, I'm not moving. But remember 25 years ago, right around the time of 9-11 and everything, um, if you had good credit, your home mortgage was in the six or seven range. If you had okay credit, it was in this eight or nine range. If you were in big trouble, it was double digits and you probably shouldn't be buying at that point. But nonetheless, this is where we are. and This is the way the games are played. So we saw the big coup that happened last week. Uh, Kevin McCarthy was uh, the Republican congressman out of Bakersfield, uh, right here, Central Valley guy, uh, was named Speaker of the House, but there was a small little contingent of Republican whinies who, uh, <laughs> I don't know, say winos, whiners. Well, we're the Freedom Caucus and we're this and we're that. And, you know, we're, 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 we're here to make America, you know, live by a budget and honor their promises. Okay, when you are $32 trillion in debt, no one cares about a balanced budget. You could balance a budget every year for the rest of your life and you're still never going to pay that debt off. Not saying pile it on more, but that's not necessarily a, a cross you want to die on. But Matt Gates and company decided they would. So they forced Kevin McCarthy to, you know, go through that stupid looking, you know, go around at the beginning of this Congress. Say, oh, I promise to make sure I suck up to the Freedom Caucus. And even after he met a couple of their promises with this con- uh, continuing resolution on spending, they ran him out the door. So I'm not so sure. I mean, who the quote unquote good guys and bad guys are anymore. Is it the Republicans? Is it the Democrats? Um, well, one thing is for certain. One guy who's not hanging around to find out is Eric Johnson. Now, Eric Johnson is the mayor of Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas is, interestingly enough, it's the fifth largest media market, but Dallas isn't even the largest city in Texas. That distinction goes to Houston. Six of the top 10 largest cities in America are in the great state of Texas. But interestingly enough, though the city of Houston bigger than the city of Dallas, the Dallas marketplace for area of direct influence is bigger than everybody else. Well, so when Eric Johnson ran in 2019 as a Democrat, 
Dallas showed us why Texas, I think, is kind of an interesting melting pot. People talk about how the state overall votes red, Republican. But there are some pockets, like in Austin, for example, the state capital is passionately progressive. Dallas is kind of a purple city. I mean, Dallas city of is properly blue. But Dallas County and surrounding areas, Fort Worth, Keller, etc., you throw in some mix of red in there too. So it's interesting because uh, a couple weeks ago, Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson, having won for and successfully re- been reelected to the mayoral's office, announced that he was leaving the party of the Democrat Party and joining the Republican Party. He would serve out the rest of his four-year term as a Republican mayor. Now, the leader of the Texas uh, Democrat uh, committee said, well, that's ridiculous. Obviously, he, he knew that if he made this announcement... Before the election, he would have been run off the road in a landslide. And I'll be honest with you, that statement doesn't hold a lot of water. Here's why. In the general election in May of this year, 2023, Eric Johnson, African-American Democrat running for re-election, you know how much of the popular vote he got? 98%. (laughs) This guy's the second coming of Tom Bradley in L.A., right? I mean, people liked him. Both sides of the aisle thought he was doing a good job, thought he was fair. So why did he pull out? Well, let's hear in his own words. He wrote an op-ed, an opinion editorial piece for the Wall Street Journal. And they published it a couple of Fridays ago. And basically he said, Democratic policies have, quote, exacerbated crime and homelessness. The future of America's great urban centers depends on the willingness of the nation's mayors to champion law and order and practice fiscal conservatism. Our cities desperately need the genuine commitment to these principles as opposed to the inconsistent poll-driven commitment of many Democrats that has long been a defining characteristic of the GOP. In other words, American cities need Republicans and Republicans need American cities. Now, what does this mean? Well, Democrats, of course, have been trying to silence this or de-emphasize the importance. For example, this is one of the strangest lines I think I've seen in an article. Well, first and foremost, the the big news. I mentioned those 10 largest cities, and Dallas is actually 10th, even though when you take Dallas and the surrounding areas like Fort Worth and Arlington, etc., it's the fifth largest media market. Um, New York is number one, Los Angeles number two, and L.A. is the same type of thing. The city of L.A. proper has like 3 million people in it, but the L.A. metro area for media purposes is 14 million because it includes Orange County and Long Beach and it goes on from there. Uh, so <laughs> Dallas is the 10th largest actual city in the U.S. By the way, San Jose is a bigger city than San Francisco. You're welcome. Even though everybody thinks San Francisco or the Bay Area and San Francisco County, in terms of population, more people live in San Jose, about 900,000 then live in San Francisco proper, about 850,000. But um, the, the fact that the, uh, the head of the Democrat Party in Texas, who said he couldn't have won his election if he'd made this announcement before the election, I don't think that's true, with the popular vote being when you got 98% of the vote. But what's interesting, too, this is a, just kind of a goofy line from, uh, uh, from CNN. CNN reports Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson announced Friday that he's switching parties and will serve as a Republican-affiliated mayor of the blue-leaning city. Now, when have you heard someone described as Republican-affiliated? If you're a registered Republican, you're a Republican. If you're a registered Democrat, you're a Democrat. Now, 
This is the very next line. It's the opening line for the second paragraph of the CNN story, and I quote, while the Dallas mayoral office is nonpartisan. What do you mean it's nonpartisan? Show me a major city in the United States of America that does not have a candidate who ran for office on either of the big major tickets and everybody big rejoicing when the mayor of L.A. is a Democrat or the mayor of Chicago is a Democrat or like, trying to think of big cities with Republican mayors. I know governors, but not mayors. But the idea that CNN's writer had to include the Dallas mayoral office is nonpartisan. Yes, it is. If it weren't partisan, Eric Johnson would not switch the political party. And he's not Republican affiliated. He is now a registered Republican. Come on, CNN, do better. Tell the truth. Uh, we'll put this whole article up at thebottomlineshow.com, but it's interesting who runs, who does what. Uh, Mike Pence served as vice president of the United States for four of the rather uh, more tumultuous years in our nation's history. And that's simply because he was riding shotgun with Donald Trump as our 45th president. During her time as first lady of Indiana, when her husband was governor and second lady of the United States, she had, had launched a number of initiatives that you may not have heard of involving uh, watercolor therapy and art classes and, and a variety of other things. She and her husband have a very strong faith in Christ. And she's written a new book that's getting a lot of good secular press called When It's Your Turn to Serve, Experiencing God's Grace in His Calling for Your Life. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Second Lady Karen Pence joins me on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, today on the bottom line, a very special guest talking about a very important topic. And I think it's 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 wild to think about the culture that we're living in right now that is so service disoriented. But uh, we have a brand new book to talk about and a very special woman who's the author of it, Karen Pence, uh, who many of you remember, of course, is the was the second lady of the United States for four rather uh, foundational and uh, somewhat tumultuous years here in the United States. She's also a former congressional spouse, the former first lady of Indiana, but most importantly, America's favorite second grade school teacher. And uh, we welcome Karen Pence to the Bottom Line Show today. Mrs. Pence, it's an honor to have you with us today. Thank you, Roger. It's an honor to be with you. Let's talk about this book because there's some there's there's an artistic background to you that a lot of people are just now discovering. And of course, that's kind of instrumental pun intended, in your relationship with your husband, Mike. Uh, the brand new book is called When It's Your Turn to Serve, Experiencing God's Grace in His Calling for Your Life. And the book just came out a week or so ago, and it's a it's a fantastic read. Talk about why it was so important for you to write this book right now. I mean, you are a little preoccupied with the fact that your husband is trying to win the presidency again, and I'm sure that's taking up a lot of your time. But why well, this well, book we are right pretty- now? 
we're pretty busy right now, but actually um, I finished the book probably around January or so. Mm -hmm. And I thought the publisher would try to get it out during the summer, but they gave me this week as the date. So mm -hmm. uh, I didn't actually pick when it would come out. And I wrote it way before we even were considering running for president. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you why I wrote it, Roger. It was mostly to, um, to encourage the reader when they're called to serve uh, because I wanted it to be uplifting. It's not a tell-all trash kind of book. It tells lots of behind the scenes stories, some of them from the White House and the and the governor's residence. But it's not really a memoir about Karen Pence. It's a book about some of the experiences that I had because I was willing to accept God's calling and step out and serve. And so it, it tells little stories to kind of uh, give a little background to the reader so that maybe when they're in a similar situation, they might be willing to step up and serve. You know, it's amazing when you talk about the the willingness and when you are called, it's not a question of if, it is a question of when, isn't it? And I think a lot of people of faith forget. We think, okay, well, the Pences were called to serve and good for them. We'll support them. We'll pray for them. We'll pray for missionaries, et cetera, et cetera. Just don't let that get on me. But I'm sure you're hearing from a lot of people who are saying, thank you for giving me permission to say, yeah, there, there's going to be a call in my life to serve. And I just have to listen for it and be willing to respond to it. And, and honestly, Roger, like I like I say in the book, all of the callings for me to serve were not glamorous. I mean, some of them were very, you know, normal everyday callings, and and some of them were callings that I felt like I was supposed to turn down. Mm. I tell a story about being called to lead a small Bible study group, and I said to the teaching leader, you know, I said, you know, my kids are two, three, and four right now. Oh wow. That's my ministry. So I kind of talk about, you know, how to discern when you should serve. And, and I talk about the peace that comes afterward if if you're following his calling. And I talk about a lot of mistakes that that Mike and I made, too, about where we were kind of doing things out of our own ambition. And I try mm -hmm. and show the distinction. But I also just wanted to share all of the great initiatives that we did. My staff in the second lady's office said, if you don't write a book about the great things we did, we're going to write it. <laughs> so yeah. I said, okay, okay yeah. I'm writing it. I'll get it done. Mm. I love I, Well, I love that initiative too. Uh, second lady Karen Pence with me today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called When It's Your Turn to Serve, Experiencing God's Grace and His Calling for Your Life. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. What's it like to be first lady of Indiana, second lady of the United States, have people watching you as far as these initiatives go, and then you're making the determination. I mean, obviously you're taking your cues from on high, and uh, I, I appreciate the the candor you just shared with uh, the fact that you and the former vice president you know, have said, hey, there times that we did things that we wanted to do because we were good at them or they were good for us instead of saying what does god want us to do did you ever get the sense that running for office whether it be congress or the governor's mansion or the the white house was one of those callings where you said hey not now god we're busy we've got this watercolor initiative here we really want to focus on i'm not sure we're ready to get back in the the limelight as far as that goes again Sure. In fact, even when we made this decision to uh, get back into the ring, uh, you know, I was thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, we've done a lot, you know, Lord, I'm not like, why are you calling us again? You know, yeah. Yeah. and my daughter, uh, who helped me with the book, she said, Mom, maybe you should read your book. Um, <laughs> kind of convicting for me. And I thought, you're right. Uh -huh. I, need, I need to step out there and be willing to serve. But, yeah. um, you know, it's interesting, because 
And and I don't want to put this on anybody else who is in the role of being first lady or first gentleman of a company of a of a state or or of a company or a church or whatever. For me, I was at a point in my life where I could devote a lot of time to the role. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be a good steward of that role. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's right for everybody, you know, if they have small kids or their own job or whatever. Uh, but for me, I want to be a good steward. And I I tell a great story uh, in the book about how I set up uh, the Indiana First Ladies Charitable Foundation. And we did one huge, uh, fabulous fundraiser uh, each year and raised money that then I had a committee of uh, women who would, they had their little rubric and they would get um, applications from charities all over the state in all 92 counties. And they would evaluate them and decide who they would give money to, 500 Mm. or Mm $1,000. And then we would invite those uh, recipients to the governor's residence for a breakfast and an opportunity to give them a big oversized check and just encourage them. And so for me, I had a lot of fun doing things like that where I really could just encourage the people of my state or as second lady, encourage military spouses or veterans. And that's what I wanted to do, you know, in that role. But I'm just calling the reader to think about how could I serve? You know, maybe it's, you know, I I did a speech the other day to elementary children and I said, Maybe just calling your grandparents or cleaning your room. How is God calling you to serve? Here, 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 here. And to all of my grandkids who are listening and my children too, you heard it right there from Karen Pence. Call your grandpa. Okay. Or, or call your grandma. That, that, that's important. Um, Karen Pence is with us today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Her brand new book is called When It's Your Turn to Serve. And it's a great experiencing God's grace in his calling for your life is the subtitle. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, art is a big part of your life. It's a big part of your your ministry in terms of whether it be the watercolors or uh, I, I, I made the instrumental pun. Didn't you and your husband meet in an instrumental music class. Is that, I've heard that before. Tell me that story if you would. Well, we, we met at a church. I was playing in the guitar group up front mm-hmm. and um, now he does play the guitar. He could have followed up with this uh, when he, when I talked to him, but he said, would you, you know, tell me how I can join this guitar group? That's the first ah. thing he said to me. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, you need to talk to the guy with the beard. And he said, I'm Mike Pence. But he could he could have played the guitar in the group if he had to. But uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. yeah, that's how we met. You're right. Oh, that's sweet. That, that That's sweet. Talk about the role the arts have played, though, for your family, for your initiatives. I mean, there's even uh, the cover art for the book. I mean, there's a there's a connection there and there's a story there too. talk about that. Yeah, you know, watercolor is is my medium. And I had started a watercolor business years ago, uh, custom home watercolors, where I did watercolors of my clients' homes. And I when Mike went to Congress, I started doing some watercolors. I did a watercolor of the Capitol Dome. And I had watercolors throughout my life that I had done at different periods. And the publisher, when we got ready to publish the book, we decided not to put photographs in. Um, people can find those online, but we thought let's let's put some watercolors in because I actually had watercolors that went with almost every chapter in the book. Like mm, for example, nice. 
the chapter that I do about Secret Service, my code name was Hummingbird. So I have some Hummingbird watercolors. <laughs> okay. And uh -huh. there's a watercolor of a, a cardinal in snow uh, that I gave a print to all of the athletes in the Special Olympics in Austria. Mm. We had a delegation. So we had enough watercolors that we said, let's just kind of fill it you know, with, with those watercolors. And, and we did some special ones for the cover of uh, bees because that was another one of my initiatives. Mm, I love that. Uh, it, it's so encouraging to see that artistic expression and not an easy one too. Anybody who's ever tried to do watercolor, uh, I, I, I have biblical jealousy, Karen Pence, that you can actually do that because every time I've tried watercolor, it just looks like I spilled water on something that somebody else did right. But I mean, I know there's a there's a method to it. There's a, there's a way you do it. And the fact that you uh, do it so well, it's beautifully uh, woven throughout the pages of the book. Karen Pence is with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. The book is called When It's Your Turn to serve, experiencing God's grace and his calling for your life. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Second Lady Karen Pence is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. And uh, yeah, no question, the highest ranking government type person we've had here on the program in our 12, now 13 year history. The book is called When It's Your Turn to Serve experiencing God's grace and his calling for your life. And even though this is not an Everyone Wednesday, I have not one, not two, but three copies of the book to give away. Thanks to our friends at, uh, is it Tyndale House or Thomas Nelson? 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, we have three copies of the brand new book by Second Lady Karen Pence, the wife of former Vice President Mike Pence, the book is called When It's Your Turn to Serve, Experience, Experiencing God's Grace in His Calling for Your Life. And there's that link up at thebottomlineshow.com if you want to have a better look at it. Three copies of the book to give away at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now we'll take a quick break. On the other side of this break, Mrs. Pence returns to continue this conversation about her book, and we're going to talk about watercolor work, which is very important. I may ask a question about January 6th, because, of course, her husband played a pivotal role, and she was actually there. And what's up with bees? There's bees all over this book. I know they're important to Karen Pence. We're going to find out why on the other side of this break, as the bottom line continues. Karen Pence is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. If that name sounds familiar, you remember she was second lady of the United States for four years that were very foundational for our nation. And at the same time, I know very challenging for a lot of people. Uh, she was second lady of the U.S. Prior to that, she was uh, the first lady of Indiana while her husband, Mike Pence, was the governor there, uh, was a congressional spouse while he served his terms in Congress. And then did, did he not have a law practice prior to that? He did. Yep. And a radio show. Well, okay, so you, you, he just picked the most difficult jobs ever. And just was there any consultation with you, Karen, before he said, oh, by the way, babe, this is where we're going with this? Yes, actually, we've <laughs> made all these decisions together. Okay, yeah. good, good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Karen Pence's brand new book is a, it's not a memoir per se, but it's a reflection on her time in the White House and in the State House in Indiana and, uh, and, and as a congressional wife as well. The book is called When It's Your Turn to Serve, Experiencing God's Grace in His Calling for Your Life. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and I highly recommend it. Um, your husband has a place in infamy, as it were, as being kind of the pivot point, the center point, ground zero, whatever you want to call it, of one of the more tumultuous days in American history. Um, just just personal reflection here before we go any further, knowing 
John Eastman and having had him on the program to explain what happened or what, what the options were. I think your husband made absolutely the right decision. And uh, it was in the best interest, not only of the nation, but to stand before God and answer for it. Your family has been through a lot of scrutiny as a result of what happened on January 6th. What was the day like for you guys? What was how and how's the fallout been since then? Well, it's interesting that you ask that because our daughter, Charlotte, was staying with us at that time uh, because her husband is in the Navy and he was deployed. Okay. And so we had talked about it and said, hey, you know what? We want to go over um, because, you know, after all of the years that our family has uh, experienced the Capitol, uh, I mean, our kids, all the years in Congress, they all served as Senate pages. Uh, we've gone to so many events at the Capitol. And we knew this would be Mike's last official duty at the Capitol. And we wanted to be there. It was kind of a momentous occasion for the family, just kind of yes. marking that, that time. And we didn't know what all was going to happen that day. Uh, in fact, Charlotte had even said, you know, because she also had a Secret Service detail. She said, you know, my details here, I might leave, you know, after the first hour or so, but I just, I want to be here. Well, it ended up, we both stayed the entire time with Mike. Um, mm -hmm. And, but, you know, in the book, I talk about how when we're in the center of God's will, we have such peace. And yes. people have asked me so many times, were you afraid? Were you scared? Did you fear for your life? And honestly, we didn't have fear. We mm. weren't afraid. Love there that. was such a peace uh, in that moment, in that whole day. There was a sense of purpose. And, uh, you know, I think if you talk to anybody on, on Mike's staff, everybody was all about getting back in session, getting the work done. Because right. once you start opening those votes, you have 48 hours to complete the count. Mm. And so there was a time limit here and they had to get back into session because they had already started. And so um, there was just a sense of purpose and duty and peace, truly. Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, it's, it's wonderful to hear that the peace that passes understanding goes yeah. with you, even in moments like that, where our media, and your husband would understand that with his radio background, uh, the media has a tendency to hype and fan the flames and 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 stoke that fear. But uh, it's very encouraging to not only hear you share this with us here on the bottom line, but also that you've written about it in the book when it's your turn to serve. Uh, we were talking watercolor before the break, and during the break, you and I were discussing uh, one of the initiatives you have with watercolor. Speaking of being a military family, you know all too well how challenging it is for the men and women of the military who are battling PTSD, uh, you know, and variety of other other issues. Talk about how your initiative with watercolors is helping in that area. Well, it's interesting because when I was um, a congressional spouse, I became aware of a program called Tracy's Kids, which is uh, an art therapy program in Washington for children with cancer. And I was fascinated by it because there was something about art uh, that would give these kids peace. And they mm -hmm. actually would say, Mom, when do I get to go back to the hospital. I've got some art things I want to finish. And there is something about the brain, which I don't understand, but there's something about art that can be very healing mm -hmm. to the side of the brain that is injured during trauma because mm -hmm. it's the verbal side. And so children find they can't talk about what's bothering them. Well, then when I became first lady of Indiana, I learned about a program called Combat Paper 
which is art therapy for our veterans, where they take their uniforms and they chop them up into little pieces and they put them through a pulp machine mm. that makes paper. And then that paper that is made from the uniform that's been their identity for years, they can now transform into something else by painting something else on it. Mm. And and I started to see art therapy as it can help our veterans. And so when I became second lady, that was the first initiative that I chose because I don't think most people know about art therapy, but um, it is a profession that requires a master's or a doctorate level degree. I'm not mm. an art therapist. Mm -hmm. And these art therapists, when they sit and work with our veterans, some of the veterans would say, you know, Art therapy saved my life. It saved my marriage. I was ready to give up. I had tried everything else. I had such anger or I had such anxiety. And art therapy isn't for everybody, but for many of our veterans, it's very, very successful. So yeah. I just wanted to champion that cause. What a, what a wonderful uh, effort to champion. And we're so grateful, Karen Pence, for your putting your your influence behind a project like this. And, and then, of course, writing about it in this new book, Karen Pence's book called When It's Your Turn to Serve is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Experiencing God's grace and his calling for your life. Any PTSD after 30 classroom with second graders? I just, I had to ask that question. <laughs> well, you know what? I probably shouldn't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know there are some grades that are really good. My mom did 30 years in first grade and she loved it, but she also, you know, didn't have to be second lady of California or whatever too, while she was doing it. So uh, I'm grateful for that. Hey, what's up with the bees? I mean, talk about the bee initiative, if yeah. you don't mind me asking. I, it, I find I, Bees are usually something that I don't find myself drawn to, but I mean, they've been a big part of your life. You know what? And, the, and I was the same way. But um, there is an organization called the National Governors Association, and they have a meeting in Washington every year where all of the governors and their spouses come just it's for the spouses, especially. It's so that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know, you're first lady of Indiana for four years. It's nice to be able to get ideas from other spouses. What did you do? What did you do? Um, and one year, uh, Ginger Beebe of Arkansas mm -hmm. gave a presentation about how she had started a beehive at the governor's residence. And I thought, what a great idea. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to get into all of the political, you know, what's hurting our bees. I'm not a scientist. I just wanted to do something to help the bees. And so- right started a beehive at the governor's residence. The wonderful thing is for bees with the, with the honey, uh, we could give little tiny honey bears full of um, honey out to people and it doesn't have to be pasteurized. It doesn't mm. oil. I mean, it's, a, it's an easy gift to give to visitors at yes. the governor's residence. When I became second lady, the first thing I asked was, do we have a beehive at the vice president's residence? Mm -hmm. And he said, no, there is one at the White House. And I said, well, we've got to get a beehive. Mm -hmm. So we got a beehive right away. And then we started just visiting beehives whenever we would be on a trip for another initiative. Even mm -hmm. when we traveled with the vice president, we would take a little side tour and maybe visit bees uh, in that country. And I started to learn more and more about the bees. And I learned if God can give the honeybee everything that honeybee needs to fulfill its purpose, 
he can certainly do the same for me. Mm. So when I wrote the book, I decided to put a little B fact at the beginning of every chapter. And we decided to put a B on the cover. So I did a watercolor of a B to put on the cover of the book. Of course. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love I, lo- I love the symbolism. I love the imagery. And uh, now I have a greater respect for bees. I won't be so quick to run to that can of whatever it is that I used to keep them away yes. from our yes. home and keep them from stinging the dog. That's true. Uh, Karen Pence, the time has gone by much too quickly, but I do have one final question as we uh, conclude our conversation about your book, When It's turned Your Turn to Serve, Experiencing God's Grace and His Calling for Your Life. And that is, uh, would you consider being the second member of the ticket when your husband gets the GOP nomination next year? Or are you looking forward to being first lady again? <laughs> you mean, would I be his vice president? Well, I think you'd make an excellent one, quite <laughs> frankly. <laughs> no, I would rather be uh, his support system. I'd rather be first lady than vice mm-hmm. president. Mm-hmm. How <laughs> can we... How can we best pray for you guys? I mean, during this time, because it's not every day that someone runs for president and your husband is running under very unique circumstances, having had the history of being the VP for arguably one of the most arguable, you know, in history and having to be the adult in the room, if I may say that, um, for four years. But now that he's, you know, trying to, how does he shake that off with people saying, oh, that's Trump's vice president, he'll never work. How can we pray for you and, and what God is leading him and you all to do in this campaign? Well, first of all, I'm I'm touched that you're offering to pray for us. Uh, that was a thing that always meant so much to us uh, when Mike served. It was in even now on the campaign trail when people shake your hand and say, I'm praying for you because mm-hmm. we feel it. I mean, yeah. we sleep through the night. Uh, we don't have the anxiety that really we should in some of these roles. Uh, because God has just given us that peace and that prayer cover. And usually I just pray for protection, uh, Hmm. you know, spiritual and physical protection for us and our family members too. Um, But that's really what I usually ask for prayer for is, is protection. And we just, we just want to serve God and go where he wants us to go. So whatever his will is in this, um, we're open to it. That's wonderful, and I appreciate your attitude uh, and and that uh, that willing spirit. But then, of course, you know that's the title of the book, right? When it's your turn to serve, you experience God's grace and His calling for your life. And Karen Pence is living that out to the fullest each and every day. The link for the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Highly recommend it, and we'll have a copy that we'll be giving away at the end of our conversation. But first, let me thank uh, Karen Pence. It's been a delight to uh, and an honor to have you on the program. Thanks for being with us today here on the Bottom Line. Thank you, Roger. I appreciate it so much. What a fascinating conversation and a delightful uh, woman to have the conversation with. Uh, Second Lady Karen Pence has been my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, Still on the campaign trail with her husband, Mike, who's a GOP candidate for president for 2024. Uh, Karen's new book is called When It's Your Turn to Serve, Experiencing God's Grace and His Calling and for your life and we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com i usually say this type of thing on everyone wednesday even though it's super tuesday but fortunately kieran's publisher has given us not one not two but three copies of this book that we're giving away today 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line again we have three copies of the brand new book by Second Lady Karen Pence called When It's Your Turn to Serve, Experiencing God's Grace and His Calling for Your Life. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, another thing that uh, former Vice President Mike Pence had to uh, uh, learn quickly on the job for was his role as the, if you will, the COVID czar when that pandemic first broke out back in March of 2020. 
there's more and more data that's coming out all the time as these Freedom of Information Act uh, reports are being released. And people are trying to figure out, okay, what exactly happened? And I'd be willing to wager, though I'm not a gambling man, I'd be willing to wager, though, that the vast majority of American citizens don't really have a dog in the hunt when it comes to get the jab, don't get the jab, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. But we really do want to know more about COVID. We want to know how it impacted our culture and what we as Christians can do to be, um, well, just just be... uh, Uh, salt and light in the world that's confused and asking questions. There's a new study uh, that's been analyzed uh, based on data uh, in California prisons. And it does focus on inmates who either got the booster, got the jab, got both, got neither. And it's data analyzed from 33 prisons earlier this year, from January through July, to try to affect the, uh, uh, try to measure rather the effectiveness of the bivalent shots. These are the booster shots that came out in 2022. It's very interesting to see what the data says, and it's interesting when the CDC will actually release that information. But if you got the booster shot, you definitely want to stay with us through the break because you'll want to find out how effective statistically that shot actually was for you. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. When you were in an accident, Stephanie Cover of Cover Law is the only personal injury attorney you need. Stephanie talks to victims all the time who wish they would have signed with her first. Unfortunately, once you've signed a retainer with a different attorney, Stephanie can't represent you. So it's crucial to have Stephanie's number handy now and make the smart call the first time. Stephanie is the right attorney to represent your personal injury claim, specifically because she worked for insurance companies for 20 years, so she knows the best questions to ask and when. Stephanie knows when things don't sound accurate, and she knows when she's being deceived. Stephanie is a Christian, and telling the truth is vital, so she holds professionals to that standard, too. Stephanie's unique blend of skill, expertise, and compassion get you real results. Bookmark Stephanie's website now so you don't have regrets, and pass it on to your friends and relatives who will need it. Just go to kbrightradio.com slash today to set up a free consultation. That's kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R. My thanks again to former Second Lady Karen Pence, the wife of former Vice President and current GOP hopeful for the uh, presidency of the United States, Mike Pence. Uh, Mrs. Pence is the author of a brand new book that really uh, accentuates her faith in Christ and how uh, her godliness in the First Lady's role in the uh, governor's mansion in Indiana, and then also as the Second Lady, here in the United States, being the wife of the vice president. Uh, A lot of great initiatives that uh, she uh, was able to implement. And uh, just I'm grateful uh, to have the conversation with her. We also, by the way, I didn't mention this earlier, but uh, we also had a chance to run video on our Zoom. So if you want to watch my conversation with uh, Second Lady Karen Pence, uh, you can do that at myhopenow.com. And uh, you'll watch that there as well. We have three copies, not one, not two, but three copies of her book, When It's Your Turn to Serve, Experiencing God's Grace and His Calling for Your Life. Those are up for grabs right now. Crystal's taking your calls at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, if, if you jabbed or didn't jab, if you boosted or didn't boost, if you got COVID or didn't get COVID, I know that there was a lot of interest from Bottom Line Show listeners that first year that COVID was a thing. 
And then the election happened, and then we collectively kind of went into our neutral corners and said, there's more to life. We're going to try to figure this out. And in all honesty, um, a friend of mine who works in the medical industry about three years ago uh, was very concerned. He said, you know, I'm just, I'm really disappointed in the CDC. This sounds like it's going to be an endemic, not a pandemic. An endemic, of course, if you are following medical terms, is just a reference for something that keeps showing up every year. They're, they're like those perennials in your garden, right? But it's like a cold or a flu or whatever. It's like many viruses that we have. Now, is the virus, quote unquote, deadly? That was a question that a lot of people had to ask and answer, and the media gave us no answers. I mean, other than the answer was the virus is everywhere. You can spread it any way you want to. And if you don't get vaccinated, you're going to give everybody COVID and everyone's going to die. I mean, that's a gross oversimplification, but it's not that far off based on some of the reporting that we saw. We saw the president of the United States. We've gotten tired of people who are unvaccinated. And if you're, going to get, if you're not going to get vaccinated now, we're going to have to take drastic measures. And remember the talk of concentration camps, rounding people up. Remember the at the door, you know, coming out and saying, hey, uh, have you been vaccinated yet? Uh, uh, you know, the church services, they tried to make it sound like it was the former Soviet Union. Everybody's behind the Iron Curtain saying, I wish we'd all been ready with acoustic guitars and very quietly because they didn't want to get arrested. And then someone took a step back and said, wait a minute, three months into this, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, released information, this was at the end of June 2020, that indicated that of the people who were being diagnosed with COVID, that if they did, in fact, wind up losing their lives, and the death tolls were relatively small at that point, that the number of people who contracted COVID and had a comorbidity something that would potentially be fatal, like high blood pressure, heart disease, overweight, whatever, that 94% of the people who tested positive for COVID and died also died with one of these, you know, they, they would have a stroke and a blood clot, an aneurysm, something like that. Only 6% of the people, according to the CDC, who got COVID actually died from COVID. And then there was New York Governor Kathy Hochul after Andrew Cuomo was forced to resign. She was lieutenant governor. She became the governor, and she had the issue of the nursing homes. Remember that whole issue in New York? All those people in nursing homes were dying, and then it turned out that Governor Cuomo, while getting a Nobel Prize or something for <laughs> writing a book about how he saved New York, um, it turned out that what was happening is there were elderly patients who had contracted COVID, and rather than being sent home, they were sent to nursing homes where there weren't a lot of uh, people there to manage and provide oversight for how many of these elderly people who are immunocompromised already might wind up getting it if they didn't already have it. And that was the end of the road for them. Then Kathy Hochul, when she became governor of New York, said, I'm, do I'm uh, authorizing an audit to find out what's going on. And she had the unenviable task of reporting to the American people that for every 100 people in New York, who had been diagnosed with COVID and been sent to the hospital, 50 of those people got COVID at the hospital. It wasn't like they went there and all of a sudden they it started just going crazy and all of a sudden they're on ventilators and whatnot. Half of the people in New York in the first year that Governor Hochul was in office who were diagnosed with COVID, tested positive for COVID, got COVID when they came in with COVID-like symptoms, hadn't tested positive yet, were admitted to the hospital anyway, and then lo and behold, they are COVID. Recently and very quietly, the CDC announced another report. It was an update, first update I've seen in three years, 
on the issue of who got the infection, who got it because of the jab, and oh, by the way, if somebody died, did they die with COVID or from COVID? Remember that 94% statistic I shared with you earlier? About 94% of the people who died, died with COVID and died of something else. That number is now up to 99%. In other words, the chances of a perfectly healthy person or a reasonably healthy person catching COVID from somebody else and dying are practically none. Of the 77 million children in the United States and the, I don't know if it was about a third of them, tested positive for, maybe it was 10 million, tested positive for COVID. And the death toll was less than a thousand. I mean, there was a lot of worry over COVID. But the big issue and the big guilt trip was, did you get the jab, two parts, and did you get the boosters? Well, a lot of people who got the jabs, got part one, got part two, unless you did Johnson and Johnson and just got the one, got to the point where the boosters rolled around. They said, man, that second shot was a trip. If the booster's anything like that second shot, I'm not doing it. And yet, research that has been analyzed by, I, I mentioned in California, but it was California and 32 other states, assessing nearly 100,000 inmates who were tested for COVID, and how many of them tested positive, and then of those, how many of them had been vaccinated and boosted, and how many had not. The numbers will surprise you. But please take these to heart, not so you can get into a big argument with somebody over whether or not to vaccinate not vax or wear a mask or not wear a mask, but rather this is what the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention are telling us. We'll take a look at those numbers coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, we have some good news from our friends at Preborn, and that is that we have a match in place that you got to take advantage of right now. I call it the 15 by the 15th campaign. Uh, an anonymous listener uh, who listens to the Bottom Line Show here in Southern California has put up a match for Preborn. Uh, he, this listener has donated $15,000, which is the cost of one uh, ultrasound machine in a preborn clinic and said, hey, I'll put this up as a match. Let's get other bottom line listeners involved to make donations, large or small. And once we get to another 15,000, then we can give the whole amount to preborn and get two uh, ultrasound machines in preborn clinics here in Southern California. So what do you say? We're a couple hundred dollars in on this match. I know there's a bottom line listener right now who can make a $500 or a $1,000 donation, maybe even a $2,500, knowing that it's A, tax deductible, and B, going to be matched dollar for dollar to get another ultrasound machine in that will save babies' lives. Call 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or you can make a donation online. It's really easy. When you go to kbrightradio.com or you can go to my website rogermarsh.com and click on the preborn banner there let's save lives through preborn fifteen thousand dollars by the 15th of october we can do this welcome back to the super tuesday edition of the bottom line show i'm roger marsh and my thanks again to karen pence the wife of former vice president mike pence that makes her second lady karen pence uh, she joined us earlier in this hour to discuss her brand new book called When It's Your Turn to Serve, Experiencing God's Grace that is Calling for Your Life. And we have not one, not two, but three copies of this book we're giving away today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And oh, a special announcement. Got to tell you this. Um, coming up in the next half hour, if you're a KCBZ listener, you're going to go to, you're going to hear this on, uh, uh, we'll record it as we're doing it here live, and then we'll 
put it on Bottom Line Show Extra and probably Bottom Line Rewind uh, tomorrow as well. But Daniel Kennedy is going to join me from Oasis of Hope. Oasis of Hope is an outstanding ministry uh, that fights uh, cancer. And they were doing it in Tijuana and, and San Diego for 60 years. They've got a brand new documentary out that's called Fighting Windmills. And in addition to being kind of a marketing administrative guy for the ministry his grandfather started, Daniel Kennedy is also a graduate of the USC Film School and has done a couple of fantastic documentaries. So this new documentary that he has uh, available now, it's called Fighting Windmills. It's a, it's a great event, a great uh, movie to see. It's about 60 minutes long. And here's what we're doing today. I realize it's Ticket Tuesday instead of Movie Monday. But this coming Sunday in San Diego, um, our friends at uh, Oasis of Hope have rented out a theater. And they, you can see the movie for free when you just go online to oasisofhope.com. But on, uh, on Sunday, October the 15th, this coming Sunday, at the Ultrastar Mission Valley Cinemas Hazard Center in San Diego, the movie Fighting Windmills will be shown 4.30 p.m., so late afternoon screening. But then afterwards, first you get to see it on the big screen. Love movies on the big screen. Secondly, though, um, all the main people at Oasis of Hope are going to be there, including the four victors, who not victims of cancer, but the ones who have uh, really changed their lives uh, dramatically because of the work of Oasis of Hope. Um, we have a couple pair of, of tickets to give away. This is, Basically, it's a link to the special event for the screener. Uh, it's exclusive for Bottom Line Show listeners. So when you call 800-227-5278 right now, you can have your name put in the drawing either for the book by Karen Pence, our second lady, or a pair of tickets to go to this uh, Fighting Windmills documentary extravaganza at the Ultrastar Mission Valley Cinemas Hazard Center in San Diego on Sunday, October 15th, 4.30 p.m. And then the Q&A and the discussion, the meet and greet goes on. I think the whole event probably wraps up around 7 o'clock. It's going to be a lot of fun. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, I, I'm grateful that the work that Mike Pence did for the work that Mike Pence did with regard to COVID when he kind of became the COVID czar for the first nine months of the, uh, of the pandemic. And what the reason I am so very grateful is the fact that he, uh, quite frankly, had to steer a rather unsteady ship and he did so faithfully and as unto the Lord. What's going to happen in 2024? It's anyone's guess. It's going to happen with the former president, his old boss, anyone's guess but one thing is for certain when God calls you to a task you come to him with open hands open eyes open ears and open hearts and usually a closed mouth <laughs> that's why you respond when it's your turn to serve that is the good news and that's the bottom line for our KCBC audience it's Rabbi Schneider discovering the Jewish Jesus coming your way next for those who remain on the network my conversation a fascinating one with Daniel Kennedy and also a, a special guest who is one of the victors from Oasis of Hope talking about this brand new documentary, Fighting Windmills, which is in theaters, in theater this Sunday for a one-day-only event. That's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, my thanks again, of course, to Second Lady Karen Pence uh, for joining us today to talk about her new book called When It's Your Turn to Serve, Experiencing God's Grace in His Calling for Your Life. Still giving away those three copies at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. We usually do movie tickets on Mondays, but today is a Ticket Tuesday. It's a Super Tuesday because of the special nature of this event. This Sunday, October 15th, our San Diego Bottom Line Show listeners, KNSN uh, 103.3 in National City, in particular, at the Ultra Star Mission Valley Cinemas Hazard Center in San Diego this Sunday, October 15th, 4.30 p.m., a special screening of the new documentary from Oasis of Hope called Fighting Windmills, and then a meet-and-greet afterwards. It's a one-of-a-kind event. We've got a couple of pair of tickets we're giving away to that event today, so start calling now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. Okay, let's get into a conversation I recorded about a week ago with Daniel Kennedy from Oasis of Hope. Uh, we've also got the video up at myhopenow.com, but we're talking about this movie, talking about this ministry, and the good work that God is doing. Let's get into that conversation right now. Special guests joining me today here on the Bottom Line Show is we're going to talk about a couple of special projects from our friends at Oasis of Hope. Daniel Kennedy is here along with Michelle Tucker. And if you're watching on MyHopeNow.com, you can see the video, this fantastic set that they have here too. Daniel and Michelle, welcome to the Bottom Line Show. Great to be here with you, Roger. Thank you. Now, one of the things I really appreciate about Oasis of Hope, of course, is the great ministry that they have, treating people who are wrestling with cancer and, and illness like that. But Daniel is a double threat, because in addition to having grown up in this, I mean, this is your family ministry for the past 60 years, you're also a, a very talented filmmaker, too. Um, that must be, When did that passion start? I figured you would have gone into the family business. You'd be an oncologist or something like that. Yeah, you would think. Uh, the family business, my dad, though, was a pastor. Uh, and so growing up as a pastor's kid meant there were times in my life I really didn't want to have anything to do with church. So I, I got into rock and roll music and I was in high school as a in the 80s and MTV came out. And so as I was doing garage music, I figured I have to have a music video because back then music television yeah. actually showed videos. Right, I remember those days, yeah. Yeah, and so, well, wouldn't you believe it? Dr. Francisco Contreras, who's our chief oncologist, had a video camera. And so I went and, and would borrow his video camera. So I started making uh, uh, films, just music videos, using Dr. Contreras' equipment. When he Love invited it. me to start working with him, which was 30 years ago, I talked him in to building a full television studio at the hospital. And people are like, why do you need a studio at the hospital well because we teach our patients we teach them how to live healthy we teach them to live in a way that cancer won't come back and at the heart of our studio is a full working kitchen where we give uh, cooking classes and so uh, people say when did you start being a producer if you're a hospital administrator i'm like you have it backwards i was already a producer i was already passionate about filming things and I only agreed to work at the hospital if I could continue to film. That's a bit of an exaggeration. I really agreed to work at the hospital because God didn't give me a choice. That was mm. my destiny. I was mm -hmm. the first grandson. My, my grandfather who founded Oasis of Hope Hospital is named Ernesto Contreras. My mom named me Daniel Ernesto Kennedy Contreras. She embedded my grandfather's name in my name. And I think... Yes. Someone revealed along the way, the Holy Spirit revealed to my mom, your child is destined 
to work at Oasis of Hope. Now, there were 20 grandchildren, and I was the worst and the most irreverent. <laughs> Based on who, Daniel? I mean, who decided that you're the worst grandchild? Uh, ask my 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 uncle Francisco. Oh. My, my uncle, uh, he really rescued me. I was kind of like that, you know, dog on the street. I was a rescue, mm-hmm. uh, and and it really gets complicated. And, and I'm actually not joking about this, um, Roger. Maybe in the past I've shared with you that that my mom died, so she was the first Contreras child, the big sister of Francisca Contreras. She died when I was 11, and I went on a 10-year rebellion against God. If you were a good God, why would you let my mom die? Right. And mm-hmm. Francisco, my uncle, he just stepped in and he kept believing me. And he would talk over my life. There's purpose for your life. There's reasons why you're going to be able to use that pain and turn it into something that will help others. And that's really what made me study psychology and become a counselor to help people transition from pain into the fullness and the joy of a rich relationship that can only come through Jesus Christ. Well, there are a couple of video projects here that Oasis of Hope is a part of, and one of them we've been sharing here on our Bottom Line Affiliate, especially for our viewers and listeners in San Diego, and that is the Oasis of Hope documentary called Fighting Windmills. It's available online, but there's a special event coming up on Sunday, October the 15th here uh, in the Southland at the Ultrastar Mission Valley Cinemas Hazard Center in San Diego. Talk about that event. Why is that such a, an important time for our our listeners and our viewers on My Hope Now to be a part of? I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful documentary, but there's going to be more to the event than just that movie. Yeah. Everybody that's uh, within driving distance of Oasis of Hope Hospital um, or, well, San Diego, sorry. Uh, if you're within driving distance of San Diego, please come out. The film is free. You could just get a free ticket. Um, using a link at oasisofhope.com. The reason why it's so important is not only are we screening the documentary, but four of the people that are in the documentary are going to be there for questions and answers afterward, Mm -hmm. along with Dr. Contreras. So if you've ever been wondering what's going on south of the border, why do thousands of Americans go to Mexico for cancer treatment? Here's your chance to learn about the Oasis of Hope Hospital and meet four of our cancer survivors. Michelle, who's uh, next to me today, she's coming from Arizona all the way to San Diego to be there. So if she can come from uh, Phoenix to be there at the movie, if you're living locally, you can come too. And then there's three other uh, cancer victors as well that will be there. So you can do Q&A with them. I love that and the way you describe them as victors as opposed to victims. Michelle, what was your experience like with Oasis of Hope? I mean, we'll see it chronicled in the movie, but, but as, you, as you're sitting here now looking back and looking at your life when you first found out about the diagnosis and where you are today, looking you know healthy, radiant, you know, just really enjoying life. Talk about the impact this ministry has had on you. Well, I found Oasis of Hope. It's kind of a long journey. I had a already battled breast cancer three times and then thyroid cancer and was already been in dealing with pancreatic cancer for two years, failed treatment in the States. And then I found Oasis of Hope. So walking into Oasis of Hope, I had been given the grim diagnosis of you only have four weeks to live, go home and get your affairs in order was what I was told. So then I Googled alternative cancer treatment and Oasis of Hope was the first place that popped up thanks to Google. So (laughs) so, uh, 
I crossed the border, went over there, and from the second that I walked into their doors, you it just felt completely different than any other oncology center I had been in, and I had been in several during my journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, it was amazing. I felt like the presence of the Lord was there, um, and that was very big for me. I had kind of gotten away from this spiritual thing, even though mm-hmm. in my past life we had been to, you know, held our own you know, groups where people would come to the house and, you know, you know what I'm talking about, the prayers and stuff, Mm -hmm. but my husband had passed away. So I had gotten really angry with God. Like, Mm -hmm. why would you take my husband away when I've got Mm -hmm. three little kids and now I'm re-diagnosed. So Mm -hmm. for me, it let me get back, get my faith back. And then it's, for me, it's been everything. It's been learning how to eat correctly, even though I thought I was eating clean and doing all the right things by my kids and everything as being a nurse by trade, you really mm-hmm. learn how to dial things in. You learn how to cut through the sugars, cut through the ingredients, cut through the, the junk, you know, that that's processed and everything. Cause even though they say it's organic or it's healthy, it right. might be good. So yeah. it's about mind, body, and spirit, which they encompass over there through there. And it's just been, it's been a wonderful, long learning journey. And I'm really grateful. Daniel Kennedy is with me today from Oasis of Hope here on the Bottom Line Show. And Michelle Tucker is one of the victors who's gone through the treatment center. Uh, this Fighting Windmills documentary is up at thebottomlineshow.com, how you can get tickets. Of course, we're giving away a free link as well here at the Bottom Line Show or two or however many people contact us. Uh, Daniel, in addition to this uh, prowess, you and I have talked about other video projects that you've done and the uh, extensive training you received at SC Film School, if I recall correctly. Um, there's also a, a, a Healthy Long Life series that you guys have produced and i'd love for you to talk about that because uh, there are so many different you know gratuitous uh, shows that are on you know available for streaming on services that are you know here's the lifestyles of the rich and famous or whatever it's nice to see one like this one that's so encouraging that's actually edifying and helping people talk about that if you would yeah healthy long life is a docuseries that's on amazon prime um it's just healthy long life And I had the honor and the joy to travel to 13 different countries and interview people that are living into their 90s, um, Mm. even one that was 100, that are still going to work and still active in life. And I was pursuing the question, what do you need to do to not only live long, but be healthy as you live long? And the reason that I was so interested in that was just cancer has rifled through my family. When I was eight years old, my grandmother Kennedy died of cancer. And then her three children, my dad, my uncle, and my aunt all had cancer. Two of them passed away. My, my, grand, my dad survived two types of cancer. And so healthy long life brings a world perspective. Uh, and it's very interesting. Um, filmed in India, China, Japan, throughout Europe. Uh, and Israel. Israel was an incredible place to film. I wanted to find the biblical truths of Mm -hmm. longevity. uh, And so that was a really great experience. And then with USC, I've been doing films on uh, suicide prevention. And I have a film right now called um, Heal the Disconnect that will be Mm -hmm. shown at the Coronado Island Film Festival. Excellent. It got picked up on November 12th, Sunday, at the Coronado uh, Public Library. It's also showing in Los Angeles at the Sherman Oaks Galleria and the Regal Cinema. Um, But, you know, suicide prevention, cancer, well, look, we all need hope. And Michelle shared, you know, her personal loss today. I've shared some personal loss that I've had Uh, in my life. And Mm -hmm. I just want everybody that's tuned in today, 
I, I feel like there's always somebody that's going through something. So somebody today is listening and they're facing a big challenge and maybe you've had a loved one pass away or maybe you've just been diagnosed with cancer. I want to tell you, don't give up. Face three cancer diagnoses with three types of cancer and lose her husband to cancer, but she didn't give up. You too can fight on, but don't do it alone. You can have the help of your pastor. You can have the help of family and friends. You can have the help of Oasis of Hope. Cancer is not to be treated alone. You need a team. And if God guides you to Oasis of Hope, we will be thrilled to be your team. And we want to focus on life. Well, we want to focus our listeners on the oasisofhope.com website and also this outstanding event, the Fighting Windmills documentary celebrating the 60th anniversary of Oasis of Hope, a one day only in theater. It's, it's nice to watch things on the stream, but there's something about seeing it on the big screen that just, with other people in the room that just adds so much value to it. The movie's going to be showing on October 15th, the Sunday afternoon. 4.30 p.m. at the Ultrastar Mission Valley Cinemas Hazard Center that's in San Diego. We'll have the link and the information up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we'll be giving away uh, opportunities for our listeners to just get that directly. If you don't like to hassle through the computer, we'll we'll make that possible so we can get as many bottom line listeners as we can to this special event to meet uh, Daniel, to meet Michelle, and three other victors over cancer and uh, celebrate the fantastic work of Oasis of Hope. Uh, Daniel Kennedy, Michelle Tucker, we've got about 60 seconds left in our time together. Uh, talk about why it's important for us to look back so we can keep looking forward. I mean, this retrospective is beautifully done, but it's important to kind of create this altar, if you will, you know, to God and say, okay, thank you for 60 years. We look forward to seeing what the future holds. It's really important to know what the foundation is. Mm -hmm. And what we discover over 60 years is that even though we're doing advanced modern technologies, we have never veered from putting God first. So faith first. And at Oasis of Hope, prayer is not the last resort. It's the first line of yes. And it's been my privilege to pray for Michelle. And Michelle is an absolute prayer warrior for others as well. I can tell. I can tell. And I, it's so nice to see how when you were facing that adversity, Michelle, how uh, God brought you from the brink of that. But now with that knowledge, that experience, that wisdom, I mean, if if you if you and I just met on the street and you started talking about your cancer story, I would be shaking my head saying you're making that up. There is no way. I mean, you you are so vibrant and so full of life. And uh, it, and what a testimony, I mean, to God and to his faithfulness and the work that the uh, uh, the, the, the family has done over the past 60 years at Oasis of Hope. So uh, congratulations on your healing and the fact that you're now helping other people as well. Daniel, congratulations on the movie. And we're encouraging bottom line listeners to check out the trailer at thebottomlineshow.com and go to this event on Sunday, October 15th. Like you said, I mean, come on, Zonies, you know, it's not that far to drive from Arizona to San Diego, right? And for our people in Central Valley, Northern California, get on the five and just go south. You're, you're, you'll find it and you'll love it. It's a great experience. The uh, fighting windmills. Uh, and I love that reference to Don Quixote. Good for you guys for doing that. Daniel, Michelle, thank you for being with us today here on The Bottom Line Show. Thank you. And we look forward. We'll both be there in person. So we'd love to meet you uh, there at Ultra Star Cinemas. Yep. All right. We'll be there.
Well, this is a fantastic movie. Can't recommend it enough. And we are giving away a couple of these freebie passes for the special event. You can watch the movie free online. Just go to oasisofhope.com, click the link, and you can watch it online. But if you want to see it on the big screen, and you want to see it with Dr. Contreras and Daniel and all, all the different people who have benefited from uh, Oasis of Hope, whose stories are profiled in this movie, you want to make sure that you are there. This Sunday, October 15th, uh, the, uh, the Ultrastar Mission Valley Cinemas at Hazard Center in San Diego, 4.30 to 7 p.m. Uh, we'll get you in on that link if you're one of the first three callers to call us right now at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. This is a great movie and it's a great cause and I high, highly and wholeheartedly recommend that you bring us up. On the other side of this break, I want to talk about the effectiveness of ministry like this and the effectiveness of what Second Lady Karen Pence was talking about and just kind of connect a couple of dots here. We'll go back to that dialogue in just a moment as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this special edition of The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Movie tickets on a Tuesday, you got it, 800-227-5278. A book giveaway featuring the wife of the vice president of the United States, you got it. And of course, you know that right now we have a woman who's vice president, so she has a husband. That's not who we're talking about. We're talking about her predecessor um, in, in that role, Karen Pence, Mike Pence's wife. Her book, When It's Your Turn to Serve, Experiencing God's Grace and His Calling for Your Life is Key. And I, I want to just kind of circle back around. We're giving away those books, by the way, too, between now and the end of the show. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Whether it is Dr. Contreras or Mike Pence or Karen Pence or you or me or anybody, when God calls us to minister to other people, that is our cue to follow that lead. Do what you're told, my wife likes to say. The still small voice of the Holy Spirit is definitely recognizable in the same way you could hear one of your parents in a crowded room call you out especially if they use your middle name now you know you're in trouble isn't that the only reason we have second names and sometimes third um it's it's interesting though because when you think about like the what the pence's journey was i really appreciated karen pence saying you know mike and i got married and we had dreams we were ambitious we had goals they look kind of you know just like reserved people but they had dreams i mean he was a lawyer 
He was a broadcaster. He got into Congress. I mean, that I'm, I'm not thinking about running for Congress. Mike Pence did and did so at an age where he could actually do something about it because then he spent uh, uh, 10 years, I think, in the governor's office in Indiana after that. And having the congressional background plus the experience as governor primed him to do what? To run for the presidency. And after giving it a shot in 2016, realizing he didn't have the chops that year, Donald Trump was this big juggernaut, surprised by the call from Donald Trump, how would you respond? If you thought God was leading you to a position like the White House, to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the Oval Office, whatever euphemism you want to use, to be president, and that dream doesn't seem like it's going the way you thought it was going to, and then all of a sudden the leading candidate, the guy who's going to get the nomination, calls you and says, I want you to be my vice president. How do you respond? I give the Pences a lot of credit because they took a look at this opportunity and said, well, God said run for president. He didn't say you're going to win. And he didn't say, you know, uh, don't take the runner-up part. Mike Pence probably had the most difficult vice presidency of any man who's ever held that office before. And yet he served with honor. And I think America is better off because of it. Now, I know there's some people who disagree. They'd say, no, he should have done something on January 6th. He, he kind of backed away. He really doesn't love his country. I'll respectfully disagree with you on that. From what I've read and people I've talked to who are actually in that war room making those decisions, and I'm grateful that we were able to talk with them. A couple of those folks have been willing to talk with us. A couple others have not. They've moved on and bounced over to their next social media opportunity or whatever. But the way I read the Constitution and the political analysts explained it to me, is Mike Pence didn't have any other play other than to certify the election on January 6th. And he did it. And his wife and his kids were there on site. And they were there to support him. They're a very tight family. All three of the Pence children have served as worked as congressional pages, you know, from his time in Congress and then also the VP. I mean, they, they get it. They, 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 they circle around. But there's something, there's a commonality, whether it's Karen Pence and Mike Pence saying, we prayed about it started this year when I was writing this book. I didn't think we'd be running for the office of presidency again. And now here we are. And the odds are looking very long, but they're being obedient. Daniel Kennedy and the Contreras family, all the work that went into starting Oasis of Hope. There's that word again, obedience. I want to talk about why that may be the missing link for us as Christians with regard to sharing our faith and going into all the world, preaching the gospel and making disciples. Let's talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Preborn is saving lives by doing what the left doesn't want you to know about. Progressives don't want you to know that a baby, once conceived in the womb, is a human being. And the proof that we have is four-dimensional ultrasound technology that you can get for free at Preborn. The reason Preborn can offer these ultrasound appointments is because people like you make donations and uh, they're tax deductible and they provide not only the necessary appointments for the expected moms, but also making large donations that will provide ultrasound machines for each of these organizations as well. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. It's really easy to remember. 833-850-BABY, or if you want to do the numbers, it's 833 833- 
888-253-8502229. Your $28 donation right now will save one baby's life. Uh, $140 donation does five, 280 does 10. You can also give a recurring monthly gift like Lisa and I do, maybe $28 a month or $56 a month, $100 a month, whatever you and God decide. Make your best donation today and please know it's completely tax deductible and every dollar you donate to preborn goes to the ultrasounds. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229 or go online to kbrightradio.com and click the preborn banner today. Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and the common denominator for today's program is obedience. Whether it's Eric Johnson, the former Democrat mayor of Dallas, Texas, who is now the current Republican mayor of Dallas, Texas, he looked at the values of the Democrat Party and said, they do not reflect my life anymore. I'm registering as a Republican. Karen Pence, a second grade teacher, had an art business, did watercolors, worked on initiatives that help people with PTSD, especially in the military, use watercolor as a way to uh, to heal, you know, using the artistic side of, the, of that. Uh, you think she would have been perfectly content running her business and teaching second grade and taking a nice retirement and traveling, whatever? Yeah, but God gave them a bigger plan and she and her husband, Mike Pence, said yes to that plan. I think of the Contreras family. I think of Daniel Kennedy and that 60-year legacy at Oasis of Hope, a cancer treatment center. When the rest of the world is saying cancer treatment looks like this, it's a lot of surgery, it's a lot of radiation, it's a lot of chemo, they looked at diet, exercise, natural, holistic, biblical training at treatments for people. And man, the results are phenomenal when you watch this movie. And if you do win tickets to go on Sunday to see the screening, you're going to meet all four of the uh, the patients, if you will, who were profiled in this movie and see that they had the same issue in terms of whether or not they're going to receive the blessing. But the common denominator is obedience. In John 15, Jesus is talking about how he's the vine and we are the branches and we need to abide in him. And how do we ob- abide in him? It's really very simple. We abide in him by keeping his commands. Let me see if I could break that down a little more plainly, as it were. Okay? Um, we show our love for God and the fact that we abide with Christ when we do what he says. <laughs> Just do what he says. It's really very simple. Uh, in the Catholic Church, many times you'll hear people saying, well, you're not really a Christian unless you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling and doing all these things for God. But I'll respectfully disagree on that and say, I think we're really close. But we will know who the true Christians are by the way they treat other people, by the way they show honor and reverence for God, by the way they respect the culture and society and stand up to evil, but are also willing to be good citizens. Brothers and sisters, we're seeing something that is just so fascinating, and I love kind of being ringside with you to watch it happen. All that talk in the scriptures about how knowledge will one day pass away. A lot of people who thought they had this figured out and were so smart about it and maybe even a little arrogant and maybe even a little elitist about it are now realizing, hey, wait a minute, it's not about what I thought it was. It's not about what I say it is, our relationship with God. It's not about what you say it is. It's about what God says it is. And the sooner we accept that and abide in that and make all of our decisions and actions based on that, the better off our life here today is going to be. That is good news, and that's the bottom line.